0: All right, yep, like Daniel said, my name's Mark. I am on staff with H2O, and uh, yeah, I don't know. What's going on. Like, my, like I set it down, and my screen turns off immediately, which is uh, not good. So I may just have to hold this, I guess. Um, so anyways, my name's Mark. Uh, it's been a while since I've preached, so most of you probably have not heard of or have seen me preach. Uh, we've probably not even uh, met or talked for a while ever um, but I'm super excited to talk about um, the topic today um, You know, as Daniel said we're going through the spiritual disciplines and um, you know if you're here last week you'll remember that the uh, discipline we talked about last week was confession from Trevor and uh, I actually have a confession to make to you guys I think it is relevant um, the confession is, is that I'm super bad at remembering names right so I I don't know what it is. I cannot connect people's names to their faces. And sometimes I'll have full conversations with someone where, you know, we have like, it, it'll be like 30 minutes. And then I'll see them next week and I'll, I'll introduce myself to them. And they're like, what do you, what did we talked last week? And I'm like, oh, uh, I'm so sorry. I, and I just want to, you know, tell you all that because uh, number one is a warning. Uh, if that happens to you, I'm so sorry. Trying to grow it, grow in it, Um, but the two I actually think it's sort of relevant to the topic that we're talking about Um, because the topic actually has a lot to do with uh, memory and choosing to remember. Because I'm told that, you know, I've asked people like, "How do you remember names so well?" You know, we meet so many people on campus and then just way too many names to remember, and they're like, "Remind me." Well, it actually does take. Effort and actually takes focus on uh, remembering someone's name, so I'm trying to grow on that. But um, so uh, this is actually you know a purpose to me saying this. for myself. Um, we're gonna be talking about the spiritual discipline of celebration. Uh, quick show of hands. Does it surprise anyone that celebration would be named in a list of spiritual disciplines? Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad that we're all. It's something that, like, when you say it out loud, you can acknowledge, like, oh, that that makes sense. That's probably a good thing. But I don't think it immediately comes to our mind when we think about spiritual disciplines. Uh, And I think the reason for that is because sometimes the disciplines appear sort of unpleasant. Like, it's not something that I want to do, necessarily. You know, I don't necessarily want to go confessing my sin to people. I don't want to, I mean, some people have trouble evangelizing, Um, maybe going into a deep prayer is intimidating. Um, And so But celebration on the other hand is like uh, pleasant, it's like happy and exciting. And um, you would think that it's something that we're like excited to do more often. And uh, I do think that we will naturally celebrate more than we will naturally engage with the other disciplines. but I kind of want to explore uh, why there actually does need to be an intentionality with it, why there does have to be a sort of forced remembrance and a forced celebration. You know, we want to be disciplined in celebration. And so um, I'm going to pray for us and we can start looking at uh, what I've got for you guys. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for this um, time and space and this opportunity to share um, you know some things that you've put on my heart just um, about you know, our need to develop this discipline of celebration in our lives. Um, the truth is we have so much to celebrate in our relationship with you. Um, God you've pursued us since the beginning of creation uh, and you've been you've been uh, set on dwelling with us closely um, ever since you created us and And that is just uh, a beautiful thing that uh, it's almost overwhelming to think about. Um, So God, I I just pray that you uh, lead us through this time, that you just help us grow in in seeing our need to celebrate and and, uh, need to just embrace you um, in our relationship with you. And so, yeah, God, uh, I just want to ask the spirit move today and that we you know, take away something meaningful from this time. Uh, It's in your son's name I pray, amen. Okay, so what is celebration? Uh, I would define it as the intentional expression of joy over something remembered. And so, I mean, typically the first thing, first step to celebration is remembering that you should celebrate it, right? And so uh, what do we want to celebrate? Uh, We want to celebrate three things, I think. The faithfulness and character of God, um, our reconciliation and relationship with God, and God's ongoing commitment to humans, to us, despite their flaws. And so why is this important? Well, number one, God prescribes it to his people. Uh, In the Old Testament, you'll see that God often prescribed these rhythms of reflection and remembrance and celebration to his people. Um, This had a purpose of just reflecting on his faithfulness to them and um, you know, kind of looking forward to the fact that he's going to continue to be faithful. So in Exodus 23, uh, verse 14, it says, uh, three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Eat bread uh, made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. And so this was part of the celebration of the Passover. So this was when um God had sent these uh, you know the 10 plagues to Egypt uh all with the purpose of uh drawing his people out from Egypt um you know he wanted them to be released from slavery so that he could then walk with them and bring them to the promised land and uh God just gives them a simple celebration uh festival to remember that work that he did um and so uh you'll see in a different festival that in Leviticus 23, uh, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so this was sort of a continuation of that same story of when they're brought out of Egypt, they wander the wilderness for a while. And so what was the purpose of this festival of booths? Um, well, it's to remind the people that God actually provided for his people during that time. You know, he walked with them, he, he met with Moses on the mountain, he gave them food and water, and it's just supposed to be a, min- a reminder that, <laughs> uh, yeah, first of all, it's re- remember that during that time, the people were actually quite, uh, I'll say, disobedient to, <laughs> to God during that time. Uh, they were not doing what he was wanting them to do, Um, routinely, and yet God still provided for them consistently, and so um, it's like, let's remember that even in our, in the midst of our disobedience, that God actually wants to um, provide for us, Um, and also, you can see at the end of the verse that um, this is meant to be communicated to future generations, so God's faithfulness was actually meant to be Sort of handed down from person to person uh, like we're all this is a collective effort of remembering what god has done and so uh yeah kind of reminds me or uh, this, sorry this leads me into my second point which is uh the discipline of celebration actually reminds us of who god is um, i mean in these celebrations we see that god has been faithful over time we see that he's intended to walk with his people and uh, that's just a reflection of his character. You can even see it in, uh, even in the non-celebrations that in his laws and decrees, um, there's supposed to be this mindset of remembering that God's goal is really to dwell with his people closely. And so in Deuteronomy 4, it says, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such a righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So we want to remember who God is for a long time. Um, sorry. What happened when Israel forgot who their God was? Uh, I mean, there's plenty of examples throughout the Old Testament. They start making sacrifices that God didn't ask for. They start uh, implementing new rules and behaviors that God did not ask for. Um, And they just start worshiping worshiping him completely differently um, than he actually prescribed for them. And so I think the risk of not developing this rhythm of celebration in our lives is that we actually forget um, who he is. Um, We forget that he actually wants to dwell closely with us, as I've said. And so uh, they forgot God's uh, character entirely. And um, I think it's actually gonna be a temptation for us too. You know, We don't live for centuries um, as the Israelites, uh, the Israelites forgot God over time, over hundreds of years. Um, So we don't have that problem because we're not gonna live that long. Um, But I think it's just as tempting for us to forget uh, or even allow the world to sort of shape our view of God um, for us. And that's why I think we need to make the proactive choice to uh, remember him on his terms and intentionally celebrate his character. Uh, and so this so leads me to my third point, which I think is actually my is the most exciting, is that God himself actually celebrates. Uh, And I think this is an opportunity to be more like Christ because, you know, part of these disciplines is that we're trying to strive to be more like Christ through them. Um, And so let's take a look at what Jesus himself says about, uh, you know, what God's own celebration looks like. In Luke 15, 1 through 7, this is a parable that um, Jesus is responding to the Pharisees with. Uh, As you'll see, they basically ask him, why are you hanging out with these uh, tax collectors and sinners? Why are you hanging out with these people that are like, unholy and unclean and they're not worshiping you the way that uh, they should be uh, so why would you even bother with them and we'll see his response now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear jesus but the pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered this man welcomes sinners and eats with them then jesus told them this parable suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so there's a lot that I think could be said about this parable, um, but I want to point out the fact that Jesus, <laughs> trying to make the point that God himself actually celebrates our reconciliation with him. Uh, you know, I know that we like to emphasize as Christians that we get the better end of the deal uh, in this relationship. You know, we are provided for, we get to live eternally with him uh, closely. And, you know, he loves us way better than we can live him, love him. Um, But I think we should remember the fact that Jesus himself actually says that God celebrates the reconciliation with us, celebrates his relationship with us, Um, which is crazy to me. Because what can we offer him? I mean, what can we do that would cause him to celebrate? I mean, he has everything. Uh, He should have everything, so we don't need to... uh, we're not able to give him anything that, he's, uh, that he doesn't already have, so the fact that he chooses to celebrate us um, is significant. And I think the picture actually gets clearer as he goes on. So he says, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she light a lamp, or doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice in, with me i have found my lost coin in the same way i tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner who repents so why would jesus tell a parable with these two characters uh because i think it's significant the characters he's chosen he's chosen a woman and a coin so let's remember the context of people that he's speaking to um at this time, in this culture, women were not really raised up to be skilled laborers. And so what's a drachma? A drachma was about a wage, a, a, a day's wage for a skilled wait, uh, laborer. Um, and so uh, it, it seems as though this woman is you know, living alone. Uh, it seems like this is her money and hers alone, where uh, you know, usually money's gonna be coming in through the husbands or the sons or, or whatever. Um, And so for an unskilled uh, woman, uh, laborer, losing that coin is a pretty big deal. And even says that it's like one of 10. So she's got 10 coins left and she lost one of them. And so that's sort of a huge uh, deal for her. And so why do I think that's significant to us? Um, Well, I think that Jesus is trying to reveal that there's something in humans uh, that God sees in ourselves that we struggle to see. Because for any sort of uh, skilled laborer, anyone who can make that coin back uh, easily, losing it is sort of just a minor inconvenience. But to the woman, losing the coin is everything. And she's gonna tear apart ap- the house to, to get it back. And so um, I think that the skilled laborers, for example, uh, and, and probably the people in the audience, um, they're also probably wondering, why Why does this coin mean so much to this woman? Uh, but when you actually think about the woman's perspective, you can understand, like, uh, this is a huge deal. Um, the coin means a ton to her. And so do we really believe that that's how God sees us? I mean, do we really believe that God sees something in humans that we fail to see ourselves. I mean, I know that. I, I, it's difficult to have that perspective. It's difficult to put um, humans on that level of, um, you know, God. God will do anything. He will about. He will go. He'll send His Son and die on the cross, and you know, die a humiliating death, and. Um, just for the sake of recovering us to, this, to his family, you know? Um, like I said, like, yeah, it's great that we get the better end of the deal, um, but there's something mysterious about the fact that God himself is actually excited. God actually is excited to, uh, for us to be a part of the family and be a part of, you know, this closeness that he has wanted since the beginning. And so, you know, although we can't really have the same perspective as God, Uh, we can try and celebrate like God does. And part of that, I think, is seeing ourselves, trying to see ourselves the way he sees us as this truly invaluable uh, piece of his reality. Um, I think we really do mean that much to him, and I don't think that we reflect on that very often. Um, And so I think this is the attitude that God wants us to have as we walk through life, you know, uh without it it's going to be pretty difficult to walk in the freedom and abundance that he wants us to embrace um so this is why i think it's important why we should remind ourselves of why um, you know this first remembering who god is and then celebrating him uh, is important Um, but i do want to talk about the barriers um, to celebration because like i said celebration is like this pleasant thing we should want to do it um, all the times it just seems natural Um, you know, like when someone's birthday comes up, you just sort of like know inherently that like you should celebrate or when Christmas comes up or when Easter comes up, like there's just something about like, okay, well now it's time to celebrate. Uh, The harder part is actually stopping and uh, celebrating even when it doesn't seem like there's something obvious to celebrate. And so what's the first barrier? I think uh, it's that we just forget, (laughs) right? Like you can't celebrate someone's birthday if you completely forget about it. and, you know, this is where the discipline of remembering comes in. Um, you know, it's it's actually, like I was saying with the, you know, the names and the faces, it is actually a choice to remember. You know, it's a choice to force yourself to, you know, focus on, um, you know, the past work of God, the character of God, the words of God. Uh, and if you don't do that, then you're not just going to, like, suddenly start celebrating. Um, and so... Um, we don't really have the same prescriptions as the uh, Israelites did in the Old Testament where you would prescribe you know festivals of remembrance, uh, which means that it's kind of more on us to force ourselves to implement those rhythms in our lives of of reflection and remembrance and um, I just think that you know it's a discipline that we have to build up um, so i mean what's the, what's the next uh <laughs> Uh, barrier to celebration i think this is actually the more significant one and i think it's insecurity and fear um i think this is the most prevalent barrier because i think (laughs) there's something about christians that we set such high standards for ourselves um you know we we sort of uh i mean why do we do that i think it's because it's easier, when there's a standard that needs to be met, it, it's at least easier to articulate, it's easier to chase after, but when there's no clear standard, we're kind of, you know, we, we sort of uh, make our own and drift, so, um, b- but what, what's the results, what's the inevitable result of setting high standards um, for yourself, is that I think you're inevitably gonna fail to meet them and uh, I think this is where shame and guilt t- start to f- come in. Um, I think that we feel shame and guilt when we sort of set these standards of what our life should look like, what our obedience should look like. And when we uh, don't live up to it, we feel bad. And more importantly, I think that we assume that, ga- that God also feels bad, that he is also uh, ashamed of us and disappointed in us. Like we're not following through on our commitment Um, and it, I think it sends us to a place of, like, I don't want to commune with God because I'm, I'm not there yet, like, I'm not ready, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not living how I'm supposed to, and, um, I just don't think that that is what God wants for us. (laughs) I, I think he wants to remove the shame and remove the, this barrier of insecurity because, Because what's the reality? Well, the reality is that um, the sheep and the coin did nothing to get found, I guess. Um, They didn't do anything to sort of force God's hand to get closer to them, right? And, you know, part of my fear with the uh, spiritual disciplines is that we just come away with this big laundry list of uh, items that we now have to do perfectly as Christians and uh, if we don't do them, then we're just not living up and we're failing, and and uh, that that actually influences God and how he feels about us. And I think the reality is that uh, whether you live up to the standards you set, um, God's opinion of whether he wants to dwell with you, whether he wants to relate to you personally, will not change. And I think you know it's something that we wouldn't articulate, that you know, I'm not good enough, God doesn't want to see me. I don't think you would say it out loud because then you sort of realize that it's not true. But I think we feel it. Like we th- I think we we feel the need to hide sort of like, you know, Adam and Eve did in the garden um, where they just like felt shame and they f- they just figured that God didn't really want to deal with them right now. And I think we're at risk of falling into the same trap. Um, and so, you know, from Jesus' own words, um and the the actions that God has taken over the years, uh, he assures us that we are worth it to him to celebrate, for him to celebrate. And we should want to trust that, regardless of what our insecurity tells us. And so, um, as you've been noticing, like on Thursdays, we have been sort of trying to engage with these disciplines on sort of a group level. And so this is actually uh, an opportunity, I think, for the church to engage on a group level. Um, I think that we can do a great job of uh, encouraging each other uh, in combating insecurity and uh, helping each other, each other to remember the commitment that God has made to us. Um, you know, because it's when I, when I go off and when I'm alone, when I have no one to share truth with me, when I have no one to remind me of the things that God has said, um, then I'm just going to slip into this, like, you know, uh, mindset of insecurity and shame and uh, that's where your brothers and sisters can really come in and encourage you. And so uh, even in 2 Peter, this is, you know, Peter writing this, 2 uh, Peter 1, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of, your, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly Okay, it did it again, sorry. And are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of his body. And so this is a great opportunity for the church to be the church to each other, to encourage us of of what God actually says and what he actually thinks about humans. And so uh, how do we celebrate? Well, I mean, you've probably picked up a little bit of a theme. Um, I think there's two steps. Uh, One is to choose to remember. And so what does that look like? Um, The best advice I give is return to the words of Jesus. You know, Jesus is the complete and full representation of what God is like. If he's saying that God celebrates, if he's the one hanging around sinners and the people that, you know, the Pharisees saw as just unclean and unworthy, if that's Jesus' character, then we know that that's God's character, uh, and I think he's, you know God sees something in humans, that we struggle to see ourselves, and you know, the, I think the best way to remind ourselves of that is by returning to His own words. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think we should actually look at what He says rather than what our mind tells us um, and what the insecurity tells us um, what else should we remember? Remember your own experience with God. You know, we're talking about personally celebrating a relationship with Jesus, or with, yeah, with Jesus. Um, that's going to look way different for all of us. We've all overcome different uh, barriers. We've all overcome different struggles. Um, have a completely different context. And so, God has dealt with you and related to you personally. Um, and so, there's not really a one size fits all. Um, you know, experience with God. Like, we just don't have the same experience. And so I'd actually encourage you to reflect on your own experience, in your own testimony, and the, the work that he has done in your life um, and be encouraged by it. Um, you know, we want to de- develop a discipline of remembrance, um, which takes effort, and I think it takes working as a community. Um, don't be afraid to lean on each other. Um, when you need to be reminded of what's true. And you know the second part, of course, to celebration is uh, to celebrate, um, to express joy over the thing that you remembered. Um, and so how do we do that? Uh, the, well, first I would say I don't fully know. <laughs> I don't know what a celebration should look like in your life. In fact, I think that's actually a good thing because uh, I mean, we don't even celebrate like our birthdays the same way, so how would we celebrate our relationship with God the same way? I don't think that there's a, there's certainly not a one-size-fits-all here. Um, I will offer a few suggestions, though. Um, you could celebrate through the other disciplines, you know? You could celebrate through worshiping, praying, evangelizing, retreating to silence and solitude, um, you know, spend time with him and, you know, whatever it looks like, um, The reason you can express joy through these practices is because god has relieved you of the pressure to perform he's relieved you of the the need to force his hand to get closer to you because he's already revealed that he wants to dwell closely with you and so if you think that these disciplines are just your ways of getting closer to god and making him like you more making him like want to be with you um, then that's just uh wrong (laughs) that's just not that's not what he wants um Which means you can explore those disciplines in freedom and excitement um, and just see where they take you Um, you could even view our sunday you can even view our sunday gatherings uh, from a different perspective too you know like what are we doing here on sunday we're not coming here so we just learn a new fact about scripture that we just like learn a few new things that uh you know are exciting to us a big part of what we're doing is remembering and reflecting on the work that Jesus did and the work that God has done throughout the ages um, just so that he could dwell with us. Um, And so there's no like, oh, I come to church because this is the Christian thing to do, or this is like what God wants me to do. It's more from a place of like, I get to be excited that God has drawn me to him, that he has, um, he's actually come after me in many different ways and Whatever I can do to put myself in a position to remember those things and be excited about it, uh, I'm going to do it. And so, you know, Sunday gathering, perfect space for it. Uh, And so, another suggestion, uh, which I think is exciting as well, is uh, celebrate each other. You know, when's the last time that you've like genuinely encouraged someone? Like you've genuinely like pointed something out about them that you see that is special, that is unique, that is meaningful, um, and just revealed that to them. Um, <laughs> the reason I'm saying this is because, you know, like I said, I, I think God really does see something in, like, in us that we struggle to see ourselves. I think he sees the, the value, the characteristics, the design that he's made. And he himself is excited about it. And so if we want to reflect you know, his image well, then uh, we should try to be excited about each other. You know? like We're not all trying to conform to be this perfect you know, Christian, whatever that looks like. like. We're not trying to all be the same person. And so uh, you know, the reason I say this is because I, I think a lot of people sort of view the church as being this place where people come to be conformed and they have like this moral standard uh, enforced on them and they want nothing to do with it because they don't really see us as like you know, a people that actually celebrates uh, people and is excited about people. It's like we're more excited about the, the law um, that we want to enforce. And so uh, I'm just you know, curious what it would look like if our community was actually seen as a people who celebrated each other and uh, celebrate the differences that God has actually designed us to have. You know, I think our influence on the world would look so different um, than I think it does now. And I just think it's part of the calling. I think we're meant to reflect this image of excitement and celebration over people uh, into the world. Um, Because this is, you know, we're image bearers and this is what God does is he's excited about people And so, yeah, um, you know, before I end, I kind of just want to, I want to read a psalm, I want to read part of a psalm that I think uh, illustrates this really well. It's Psalm 147. Great is the Lord and and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Yeah, so I define as the beginning, you know, what is celebration? It's the intentional expression of joy over something that is remembered. Um, you know, I suggested what if part of our expression of joy was just loving people really well? Um, I think we have the opportunity to remind ourselves and remind each other that God has gone to great lengths to be reunited reunited with his people. Uh, And not only that, he celebrates them actively um, when they are reunited. And so we need to choose to remember and trust God that his pursuit of us was actually worth it to him. Uh, Then I think we can actually step into the lives that he wants us to have. So yeah, I'm going to pray and worship team uh, can come back up. Dear Jesus, um, God, I just thank you for how you celebrate us. I thank you for the work that you went through, the journey that it took, just so that you could live with us, just so that you could be close to us. Um, God, there's nothing that we could do make you love us any more or any less. I think there's nothing that we could do that would change your mind that you want to be close and you want to be intimate with us. And I think there's nothing we could do um, to change your mind that you actually want to give us the abundance that you've promised from the beginning. You actually want us to give, to give us freedom, to give us relief from the pressures that we put our, on ourselves and the pressures that the world puts on us. And so God, I, I just pray that you know, our church um, would just be transformed in the way that we view uh, celebration, that we make the choice to remember who you are, remember the faithfulness that you've shown, uh, and then choose to be excited, choose to be joyful over it. Yeah, God, um, we get to do all these things in your name. Amen.